You are live with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo in studio today. We've got uh, an interesting show for you uh, this uh, morning or afternoon, depending where you're listening. Uh, we'll be talking with Matthew Ingram in a little while about uh, the whole Gawker story. Gawker.com, uh, uh, a website, a gossip website, uh, is uh, under attack from uh, a few different uh, places. And uh, uh, I guess there's some uh, arguments about uh, freedom of the press and freedom of speech. And we'll uh, be learning uh, all about that. Lots of uh, cool tech news uh, this week uh, as well. This was kind of a, a disturbing one uh, I came across. Uh, the U.S. nuclear computer system, the uh, the computers, the network that uh, runs all the uh, the nuclear missile uh, launch sites uh, across the U.S., is still using floppy disks. Can you believe it? <laughs> and and not like the floppy disks you remember, like the really, really old ones. Uh, you know, we had the, the little three and a half inch uh, hard ones. And then we had the, the real true floppy ones. And they were five and a quarter inch, basically referring to their size. Well, before that, uh, back in the, uh, the 70s, there were eight inch floppy disks. And uh, these computers that uh, the U.S. government's still using still takes those disks. Uh, they've literally been around since the uh, 70s, and uh, they're just saying now that uh, it might be time to upgrade those computer systems. Well, I hope that's done sometime <laughs> soon. Also in the news, uh, Microsoft laying off 1,800 uh, Microsoft employees over on the uh, the Windows uh, phone side. If you uh, remember, Microsoft's uh, been in... Uh, the mobile uh, phone side for a number of years with their Windows mobile operating system, but uh, it looks like uh, the competition from uh, Apple and uh, Google with their uh, Android phones uh, and all the Android phone manufacturers like the Samsungs, Motorola's, LG's, and HTC's of the world uh, proved to be too much competition uh, for Microsoft. Microsoft bought uh, Nokia back uh, a few years ago uh, for you know a few billion dollars. Uh, but they uh, have been pouring money into the whole mobile side since. They say they're not giving up on mobile, uh, but uh, it looks like the uh, the whole phone side is uh, going to be uh, coming to a, a close some, sometime uh, soon. And uh, on that note, uh, Nokia, which they did buy, uh, actually still exists uh, over in Finland. And uh, in the news as well, it looks like they're going to be licensing their name to uh, some other phone manufacturers. So you might actually see Nokia phones uh, coming again in the uh, future. And it's kind of an interesting uh, rise and fall uh, and maybe rise again of uh, Nokia. Back in the day, I remember in the uh, in the, in the 90s, Nokia was one of the biggest phone manufacturers uh, in the world. And that's the phone you wanted if you uh, wanted to get a, a cellular phone. They uh, made beautiful uh, little devices. They did get into the uh, the whole smartphone arena as well um kind of maybe even ahead of their uh, their time but uh, they they came up with their own operating system called uh, symbian back uh, in the day I, I know a few people uh had those uh, smartphones uh they were, they were pretty big they looked like a giant cell phone and you could actually split them in half and when you did uh, inside was uh, a keyboard and uh, a little little screen uh, but uh, they kept going down that uh, that road, developing their own operating system. And uh, I guess uh, when some of the other uh, competitors like uh, Apple and Android uh, came along, it uh, was uh, too little uh, too late. 
Anyway, uh, again, Microsoft says they're going to keep going on the whole uh, mobile side. I don't know who will be making Windows mobile phones uh, going forward. If you look at the market share, uh, I think it's uh, less than 1% now. Uh, but uh, I guess it uh, is the uh, end of a, an era for that uh, as well. Uh, also in the news uh, this week, uh, kind of interesting, uh, he, uh, sorry, the uh, the Surrey RCMP said that uh, they're uh, in their battle against, uh, I guess, the drug dealers. Uh, drug dealers are now using uh, Snapchat, the uh, social messaging uh, service uh, that uh, a lot of the uh, the teens and kids <laughs> are using. Um, back in the day, I guess uh, they used to use uh, BlackBerry Messenger, which was a very uh, secure messaging uh, service. Uh, it was next to impossible to hack, and uh, even governments and uh, police uh, had a hard time getting access to the uh, the message logs. But uh, I guess the thing with Snapchat is uh, essentially it is uh, a messaging service where when you send your message, whether it's uh, a text or even a picture or a video, it disappears within 10 seconds after uh, looking at it. So as you can imagine, it would be difficult for the uh, police to uh, actually get access to that when uh, the messages have disappeared. But, uh, you know, these social messaging services uh, are uh, becoming more and more uh, prevalent. And in that note, uh, another uh, study that was released by uh, Pew Research Center down in the U.S. is showing that... U.S. and Canadian adults are uh, actually getting most of their news from social media now. And uh, actually, I'm joined in the studio now with uh, Christina. Thanks for joining us. Andy couldn't be here today at a wedding again. Yeah, that guy in weddings. I know. Uh, so I don't know if you saw this study, uh, Christina. Uh, majority of adults now get their news from social media, like Facebook, like Twitter, even they said uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Snapchat. I don't know what kind of news is happening on Snapchat, but that uh, is sort of alarming. It, it's interesting, though, right? We've um, we've seen media and journalism change uh, over the past few years. Newspapers uh, obviously have taken a huge, huge hit. Even magazines, uh, and I, you know, I think we're going to see uh, TV uh, news decline uh, as we go forward because the millennials aren't watching. TV news or reading newspapers for that matter, they, they are getting the news online. So are these people getting the news from other friends sharing links to news? Um, well, you know, if you look at Facebook, for example, uh, they've got the trending uh, topics or news right. on the side uh, of the page. So and people then, are basing their lives on the tra- trending topics on Facebook? Yes. Yikes. <laughs> and I guess the news stories that come up in their friends uh, that are their friends are posting as because well because those aren't going to be biased at all. Well, I think that's the challenge when you think <laughs> about it, Christina. You know, when you look at some of the the newspapers, for example, the Globe and Mail, uh, you know, Vancouver Sun, Calgary Herald, uh, you know, all those newspapers across the country. You know, you have an editor there that basically is helping determine what stories and an editorial team determining yes. what stories uh, are relevant and. And hopefully those people are exactly trying (laughs) to be as objective as possible. So we are relying now on a lot of these new social media sites. Uh, Who knows how objective they are? Who knows how objective the computer algorithms are that are actually publishing these stories as well? Well, those algorithms are often going to be skewed because they base things on what you like and what you tend to click on and read, et cetera, et cetera. Have you been following this whole Gawker thing down in the U.S.? Yep. 
So Gawker, gawker.com is a, uh, a gossip site that basically builds itself as uh, gossip that'll be news tomorrow, essentially. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, very popular site. And they actually own a number of other sites uh, as well. They do, yes. Uh, so uh, lifehacker.com. Lifehacker, Gizmodo. Gizmodo, uh, which are reputable sites. More yeah. re- more reputable yeah. than, than Gawker. Anyway, um, Gawker has this uh, history of kind of publishing not so flattering stories about, you know, famous people. Um, and case in point, uh, Hulk Hogan, one of our favorite wrestlers. When we come back from the break, uh, we'll talk with Matthew Ingram, who will uh, explain what's happening with that, uh, that whole story. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Christina Stoyanova in studio today. On the line right now, we've got our friend Matthew Ingram, uh, senior journalist over at uh, Fortune Magazine. Thanks for joining us, Matthew. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I hear you're uh, in a zoo right now. I am in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I wanted to bring you on the line. Uh, I've been following this story, and uh, you've been writing about it uh, as well. Uh, Gawker uh, has been uh, sued successfully by Hulk Hogan, uh, I guess uh, over some sex tapes. Uh, but uh, that's where uh, the story really starts getting interesting. How much was the, uh, the, the judgment for? It was $140 million in total. $140 million? Yeah. Uh, crazy. Uh, but why why is this interesting? Uh, Hulk Hogan uh, obviously sued them. Uh, was it uh, a defamation lawsuit? Uh, it was actually um, for revealing private facts. Is the uh, is the sort of technical definition of the law? So he was. It's basically a privacy case. Um, Gawker infringed his privacy by posting a clip from a sex video. And this is something that Gawker is kind of famous for, kind of posting yeah, that kind they, of stuff. They do. They have done that in the past, although I think they've kind of gotten away from that, um, partly because of this lawsuit. But the most interesting part is that um, this billionaire, Peter Thiel, one of the original investors in Facebook, um, has been funding the Hogan trial uh, in secret, um, and as well as at least, I think, two other lawsuits against Gawker with the intention of basically putting the company out of business. And why is he doing this? Well, his, he gave an interview to the New York Times in which he said that uh, he's offended by Gawker's um, approach to journalism, that they, um, that they sort of are a bully, that they publish the private information, uh, which they've done in a number of cases, including they, they actually uh, publicized the fact that Peter Thiel himself was gay at a point where he was only, I guess, out to friends. Uh, and family, and so, but he claims it's not just about that, that it's about all these other cases where they've kind of infringed on people's privacies in in a a variety of ways, and he wants to um, get rid of them. He thinks they're just bad for journalism and bad for society. And from what I understand, uh, the way that uh, they went after Gawker, um, Gawker can't use their insurance to pay the settlement out. Right. So that was one of the kind of key aspects of how this case came about and, and, and I think why, uh, Docker in particular started to be, started to suspect that there was someone else behind it other than Hulk Hogan because they, they specifically removed 
a charge that Docker was insured for. And that made it seem as though they didn't want Docker to be able to use its insurance. But if you were a normal plaintiff, you would want the company to have insurance so that you could get as much money as possible, especially since the judgment is more than Docker makes in in a year in revenues. So the fact that they removed the insurance was kind of a warning flag that there was more to this than just a single lawsuit. Some people say, great, uh, Gawker's not uh, (laughs) the most reputable uh, website, but why is this kind of a dangerous thing? Well, I think, you know, if you think about the First Amendment and freedom of speech and, and freedom of the press and so on, those principles are supposed to protect everyone, not just outlets that publish, you know, New York Times style journalism. The whole point is that the principle is supposed to protect media outlets and journalism of all kinds, even the kind that we may not agree with. And so the question is whether, you know, should it should there be someone who decides, well, these types of media outlets can exist and these other types of media outlets can't? That doesn't feel like the kind of media environment or, or sort of free speech environment that we would like. And yet Peter Thiel is effectively saying, you know, I've decided that this company is not producing what I consider to be journalism, so I'm going to spend my billions putting it out of business. And that's kind of a disturbing phenomenon. Isn't there laws against that? Like rich people, like joining into lawsuits that they're really not part of to fund them? So that's kind of a, a, an interesting um, legal argument. There, there used to be, and in fact, there still are laws. Um, they're common laws. They're not... Um, you know, they've been around a long time, and they've kind of gone out of fashion. And in fact, funding other people's lawsuits is commonplace now. Contingency lawsuits are commonplace. Um, and and there are benefits to that. I mean, the ACLU and, and the EFF fund lawsuits that they're not actually involved in because they're trying to fight for certain principles. Uh, I'm sure Peter Thiel would argue he's effectively doing the same thing, just for a different principle. It's uh, it's interesting. I know Christina. You know, we were talking about this on the way here, and you 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 don't like Gawker, and you thought it's about time someone took him down. <laughs> well, to keep my personal bias out of it, I agree that this is a very dangerous thing for journalism. Um, but on the other hand, yes, I'm not a fan of Gawker's tactics, and I would love to see them take a step back and not splash people's personal lives all over the place. Yeah. What, what's I, think the- that's the, I think that's the hard part about this case is that no one is, there's no one you can sort of root for. They're all bad guys. <laughs> everyone seems to be evil and or bad in some way, and yet there's still a principle there. So Docker publishes all sorts of horrible things, and I, you know, I certainly wouldn't um, defend them for, for publishing some of the stuff they published. And yet, it does feel like there's a principle there. Um, Peter Thiel has a point. They they have published all sorts of offensive things, but so what should the punishment for that be? Should it be that they have to go out of business? Should it be that they never publish anything again? And that all these people who were working for this company who didn't publish that kind of stuff and actually did journalism should they have to you know be out of work? And I, I mean, I, that's the question that we're trying to answer, I guess. Well, I guess uh, we will find out uh, in the the months to come. Matthew, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us. Where can people find out more information about uh, you and where you write? Well, the easiest way is just to follow me on Twitter, 
at Matthew I with one T. Very, very cool. Thanks again, and uh, enjoy the day with your family. Okay, great. Thanks for having me. That was Matthew Ingram uh, from uh, Fortune Magazine. If you get a chance, you really have to follow him uh, online. He uh, is uh, is a great uh, writer. So, um, Gawker, are you going to keep reading them now? Or? Uh, well, I stopped reading that about five minutes after I started. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There's some really crappy stuff they, they post on there. And, uh, you know, I, I guess there has to be balance in the universe, right? Like, I think sometimes if you push things too far, things are going to get pushed back on you. Yeah. And so, um, unfortunately, they've put themselves in a very precarious position. And uh, um, if this uh, judgment goes through, they are appealing it. You know, it's like $150 million. Uh, it could essentially put them out of business. Yes. That's basically what they're looking at. I'm going to open up the phone lines. We're going to take any of your tech calls and questions today. Open line on Get Connected will be your online tech support. 604-280-9898. And anywhere in Canada, 1-877-399-9898. Again, 604-280-9898. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio today. We've uh, got Christina Stoyanova filling in for Andy, who's off for the weekend. He's getting too many weekends off. I know. What are we going to do about that? I don't know. We'll just <laughs> chain him down to the uh, the chair here. We just uh, were speaking with Matthew Ingram about the whole uh, Gawker story. Uh, Hulk Hogan has sued Gawker and won, I think, close to $150 million judgment. Of course, Gawker is appealing that, but uh, it's been revealed that uh, a multi-billionaire, Peter Thiel, uh, who is actually a director uh, on uh, the Facebook board of directors, uh, was actually funding the whole thing. Interesting. And, and actually um, did it in such a way that Gawker's insurance against these uh, types of lawsuits would not cover it. Yeah. So if they are eventually forced to pay that $150 million judgment, they could essentially go out of business. You're really inflating this number here, Mike. It's 140. 140. Sorry, I got it wrong. Still, that's a lot. That's <laughs> What's a lot. 10 million between <laughs> friends, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of money. Uh, but interesting, uh, Gawker is up for sale. Yes, well, it sounds like uh, the owner, Nick Denton, is shopping around for for buyers. Yes, because I would want to buy something that's being sued for $140 <laughs> million. Who's, who would even want that? Yeah, I don't know. Like, crazy man? No, it's... Uh... I think they would have to completely change the way the website runs. Yeah, in but order. then it's not what it is anymore. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like saying to Sears, you got to change the way you're doing things. You should just sell gas, right? <laughs> like it's that's a whole different ballgame. Well, you know, we'll see how that all plays out uh, in the uh, the weeks uh, and, and months to come. It seems to be growing as far as the story uh, goes. Uh, you were on Global uh, News filling in for me this week on Wednesday. You had some interesting products. I did. What you called it? Your weird and wacky segment. I did. The first product was actually not that weird and wacky. I thought it was useful, but the others were pretty weird. Okay, and wacky. we'll start with the normal one. What was the normal one? The normal one was, um, it's called Tracker Bravo. Yeah. There are these tiny little um, metal gadgets that go in your purse or your wallet. How or big are they? You can. Uh, they are the size of a watch face. Let's call it that. Okay. Um, you can stick it on your bike or whatever. Can I put it in my pants? Do you lose your pants a lot, Mike? Well, <laughs> it could happen one day. It could happen one day. <laughs> That's alarming. Yes. 
Anyway, so these little gadgets help you keep track of your stuff. So if you're apt to leave your keys somewhere, because I've never done this, of course, and walk away from them and forget about them, this gadget will actually tell you um, if you're, well, you can sound an alarm from it so that you can find them. And it will also tell you if you're getting closer or further from them. How do you do that with your phone? Yeah, Yeah. on your phone. There's an app for it. What What if it gets too far? Like what if... I was on a bus and I left my man purse on the bus and it took off. I would never find that again, would I? Yeah, it gets difficult past 100 feet Yes, because it uses Bluetooth. So what they've done is they've created sort of a crowd surfing type thing. Oh, so, if someone, so if you're part of the community. Exactly. So if someone with the tracker app walks by that item... It will ping it, and so they'll. It will actually pinpoint where that item is. Of course, so, if nobody walks by it, then you're hooped. So if someone were to steal my pants, and I right. had that little tracker in it, and they rode away on a bicycle <laughs> too fast for me to get them, if someone else in the community uh, had this, walked um, by your pants, walked by my pants, I would get an alert. Yes, saying your pants are on Homer. Yeah, that's right. That's where they end up. Pants, from what from what I heard. Okay, so that's that's the normal one. What uh, what where, how does it get wacky here? Uh, it got wacky. There's a there's a touchless toilet gadget. Okay, so that you can flush the toilet without having to actually physically touch the little knob. Oh my god, women must love this. Well, you know what, Robin Stickley on Global was pretty excited about I it. I bet. I bet. <laughs> I bet. Uh, I don't blame her because. Of course, there's a lot of germs involved by touching the f- surfaces and Yeah, but somehow rooms. as a society and a species, we have <laughs> survived, survived <laughs> touching <laughs> toilet handles. So how does this work? So you install it in your toilet yeah. and then you take the knob out and someone can just hover their hand over the top of the toilet tank and the toilet will flush. So you have to take the knob out? They recommend you take the knob out. It sort of defeats the point if you leave the knob in, right? But what if the battery dies? It actually beeps when the battery's low. Okay. So it's telling you, you know, it's time to change the battery. What if you, like, leave magazines on the back there? Don't do that, Mike. Okay, because that would kill it, right? (laughs) Well, the toilet would just keep flushing, I suppose. Yes. And finally, what was the last one? Uh, The Wonder Wolf. This... (laughs) I just find this hilarious. And don't get me wrong. I love animals. I think pets are wonderful. Yes. But this cracks me up. It's a fitness tracker for your dog. Why? (laughs) Just why? How does this thing work? So you put this little tracker on your dog's collar. It looks like a little bow tie. It looks like a little bow tie. And it comes in a variety of stylish colors. Yes. (laughs) Because your dog's not embarrassed enough already. Exactly. And it actually tracks your dog's activity. Like a fitness tracker, like a Fitbit. It's like a Fitbit for dogs. It's a Fitbit for dogs. So it sends the information to a dashboard, uh, like an app on your phone or whatever. And you can actually see how active your dog is being. I had the world's fattest beagle back in my day. Yes. This would probably have helped. That would have helped. Yes. You know what? I do see a few applications. Like if you have a dog walker and you want to make sure that Fido's getting your money's worth out of that dog walker, you stick that Wonder Wolf on there and you know what's going on on those walks. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 
We're going to have to take a break. Uh, we have opened up the phone lines, 604-280-9898. And if you're phoning long distance anywhere in Canada, one 399 Back after this. With Get Connected, Mike Agarbo here. We've got Christina Stoyanova filling the uh, co-host chair today. Thanks for coming in on this rainy, rainy day. Yeah, it's miserable in it, Vancouver today. It is. I have opened up the phone line, 604-280-9898, taking any tech calls or questions. If you uh, are phoning long distance, one 399 A lot of uh, interesting stories about uh, wearable technology uh, lately. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Christina. Google, they've got a new um, wearable project called Project Jacquard. I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly. Jacquard? Jacquard, Jacquard. Uh, it's essentially uh, these uh, conductive threads that they can weave into clothing. Uh, so the first partnership they're doing is with Levi's, and they've got this uh, this jacket where they've put uh, a touchable patch on the uh, the sleeve, and essentially with that uh, that patch you can actually uh, use gestures to control aspects of your phone. So you could. Uh, uh, control uh, like your GPS or if you've got a uh, a Spotify playlist going with your music, you can scroll through the, the songs and, and what have you. Are you dying to get one? So does this mean I have to wear that same jacket every day? <laughs> That's going to be a problem <laughs> for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I never really thought about that. Like you've got this jacket that uh, I, I think they're saying is going to be about 180 bucks, which isn't unreasonable. Um but to get all that functionality, yeah, I guess you'd have to wear that jacket all the time, hmm. which will not work for women. No, that's just not going to work. Or fashionable men. Yes. It'll work for you, though, Mike. It Because uh, <laughs> yeah, I wear the same thing every day. Uh, another interesting story uh, on uh, uh, CBC. Your car is tracking you. It is. It is, it's yes. It's a good thing I don't have one then. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, they've actually got uh, event recorders in uh, cars, um, basically recording all the movement of the car, the speed, if uh, you know, you're know you using your turn signals, and if there's a crash, if the airbag goes off uh, as well. So uh, some debate right now on, uh, you know, should the police be able to get access to that information, you know, in an accident situation, or your insurance company for that matter, Uh you know, it's kind of up in the air whether they need a warrant for it uh, or not. Yeah, you know what? That's interesting, though, because uh, I just find there's a lot of bias when it comes to witnesses of car accidents, right? Oh, my God, yeah. You've yeah. gone through that situation. Uh, yeah, I mean. Didn't you wish you had a computer in your car? Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Could work against you, though, as well. It could work against you if, if it's you're your a crappy, fault. Yeah, if you're a crappy driver. But, I mean, then the, we get the truth and... Insurance. Maybe you can't handle the truth. We're I gonna, can handle it. We're going to jump to the phone lines here. We've got uh, Rick. How are you doing, Rick? Good. Thanks for what, taking my call. Yeah. What can we do for you? Well, I have a, an external hard drive that I use all the time, and I take back and forth to work occasionally. When I plug it in now, no matter what computer I plug it into, it asks for the drive to be formatted, which obviously I don't want to do. I understand that has to do with how <clears throat> different computers uh, uh, register the drive when you plug it in, and I wonder if there's a workaround so I don't have to format the drive. Um, but you know, obviously, you say no. Um, can yeah, you can you then see the access the, the the stuff on the drive? Sorry, you can after. 
I cannot know. Otherwise, oh. it wouldn't be a problem. Okay, so it's yeah. There sounds like there's something wrong with the hard drive, uh, un- unfortunately. Uh, so you might have to use some data recovery software. Uh, to actually get in there and, and see if you can get that uh, that data back. Uh, I know London Drugs uh, offers services, and you know, just depending how important it is, um, you know, you might want to go down and check that out. Uh, there's also software you can get online. Uh, uh, Parrot Software uh, out of uh, Victoria they uh, make some great data recovery uh, software packages that can uh, look into your hard drive or things like USB sticks and stuff uh, as well. Uh, sorry, not Parrot. Pareto Logic. I've got too many parrots and Pareto's going on in my brain. <laughs> uh, Pareto Logic out of Victoria. Uh, check them out uh, online, and uh, you know they've got some data recovery software that could go in and, and see what's happening there. So it sounds like there's something wrong with the hard drive right now. So uh, unfortunately, I think you might be in a data recovery mode at this point. Going to jump to some more uh, calls. we got Brian on the line. Hey, Brian. Morning, Mike. How are you? Good. Uh, a couple of questions about uh, Windows 10. Yes. Uh at the end of uh, end of July, I take it that uh, if you're not if you haven't upgraded yet, then you do upgrade. You're gonna have to pay for it. Is that is that how it works? That's that's what Microsoft is saying. Uh, my gut tells me they'll probably extend it, but right now they're they're sticking to that. Okay. Uh, the other thing is uh, there's a new anniversary update coming out. I guess around that time. Yeah. If you're already on Windows 10, will you have to pay for that? Uh, no. They say once you've upgraded to Windows 10, uh, from that point forward, all the upgrades will be free. Okay. Uh, if you're still using Windows 7, it's been really bugging you to, uh, to do the upgrade. And oh, I know. About that. Uh, <laughs> so after, uh, at the end of July, that'll stop, or will they? Uh, and Yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen at the end of the July. Uh, so what Microsoft has basically been saying, if you've got uh, the right version of Windows uh, that's eligible for the upgrade, Windows 10 is free, but at the end of July, it won't be free anymore. Uh, we haven't heard otherwise yet. Uh, if I was a betting man, I, I bet they'd probably extend it. But just to be safe, if you haven't done it yet, it might be something that you want to have a look at. I've upgraded a few of my sh- machines to Windows 10, and uh, I've had no issues. It, it has made it faster, and you know the compatibility has been great uh, as well. So uh, I, I would recommend it. Uh, and again, if you are kind of waiting, um, you know, do it before the end of July, just in case. You're on a Mac, so you don't care. I do not care. <laughs> I have both. I've got Macs and Windows. I know, and you love the Windows. I love both. I I, I do. Uh, I I think Windows is is a great operating system. Still, I I just I feel uh, there's a lot more you can do with it. You don't care. No, no. I <laughs> quit Windows, and I never went back. No, our control guy's giving a thumbs up. He's a Windows man. We He's think Windows man too. Yeah, he. Hates I'm you. outnumbered here. He hates you. <laughs> We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, it's App of the Week time with Christina. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by our good friends at London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Christina here, and it's App of the Week time. What do you got for us? I have an Android app, and Andy's not here. Oh, (laughs) poor Andy. Poor Andy. Maybe he's listening. Maybe. Andy, this one's for you, buddy. Okay, this better be good. Um, it's called Audify. It's a notification reader for your Android phone. So if you're connected to a Bluetooth or speaker device, yeah. it will start reading your phone notifications to you hands-free. So if you're driving, oh, that's cool. you don't have to look down. Oh, I wish I wish iPhone would have that. Right? It's yeah. amazing. And it's cool because it automatically detects as soon as you connect to one of those external devices that's when it starts reading it out loud 
And it also gives you the ability to mute apps and it knows if an app is sending you the same notification over and over again and it will actually only send it to you once. That is really cool. That would be great for drivers. Right? Yes. It's amazing. Oh, I hope Apple comes up with that. There you and go. you know what? Andy's not even here to, to, I know. Gl- to glow in the... the... <laughs> <laughs> He'd be so excited. <laughs> you know, um, just switching gears here, I was uh, in New York this week uh, for a uh, um, uh, press event. Life's hard for you. It is pretty hard. <laughs> um, I really got a lot of use out of my watch, my Apple watch. I'm just, I'm loving this thing more and more every day. Uh, so when I was down there, Apple Pay... I can, I can basically use my watch to pay for stuff in a lot right. of stores. So I don't even have to bring my wallet out or anything. I just kind of put my watch over to the little terminal. Uh, the hotel I stayed in, the W Hotel, I mm-hmm. could use my watch to open my door. That's exciting. It's really cool. What happens if someone steals your watch? Um, yeah, I didn't think that through. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I, no, I think they have to, you have to have the phone as well. Oh, I see. Because the, the app is on the phone gotcha. and it works in conjunction with the watch. Got it. Cool, eh? Yes. Yes. So, and I can use my watch for my boarding pass at the airport. I was yeah, all, that's pretty cool. I was all sorts of Jetson this week. <laughs> it was it was really cool. I'm still excited that I get boarding passes on my phone. That and is cool. I don't have to carry around the pieces of paper because I always drop them yeah. in the airport. Yeah. I've done that a number of times. Yeah. So at the end of the trip, my, my watch then pops up. With uh, it's got the activity tracker in there, right? Basically saying that I'm not getting enough activity and I'm fat because you've been sitting on an airplane, airplane for, for ten hours <laughs> for way, way too long. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really loving it now. I'm getting so much use out of it. You know, when I first got it, I thought, you know, what am I going to do with this? And at first, it was just the little notifications, and I thought, ah, oh, that's okay. But now, I, I can't live without it. Is that right. weird? Am I weird? Well, you are weird, but yeah, not thanks. because of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but with the whole Apple Pay now, because uh, my, my credit card, my debit card, I'm with CIBC, is all on my phone. And so it's all linked through my watch as well. So when I want to pay for things where they take tap, um, yeah. you know, the wireless contact stuff, yes. I can just flash my watch. People still don't know what's going on. And I have to explain to them that I'm paying with my watch. And they they think it's like voodoo magic, but it's pretty cool. Well, the part of the problem is, is that a lot of the... Uh, People at the till don't know what's going on. That's, yeah, that's and what I mean. And so you're, they think you're trying to scam the system somehow or not pay for your... I just tell them I'm the future. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, that's all the time we have left. Mike and Christina logging off. We'll see you again next time.